Welcome to the new chemistry. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms. Here on the new chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. Welcome to Electric Yacht, where we discuss general chemistry topics. This is a podcast lecture series on general chemistry. Today, we will be talking about chemical equilibria. My name is Mr. Ferguson. I am a junk faculty, and I'm also a part, an associate member of the Royal Society of Biology and an associate member of the Royal Society of Chemistry. Hello and good evening everyone. What a moment where everyone is on their feet holding a flag and supporting their concept. Team equilibrium on one side of the field and connects on the other side of the field. Now let's get ready to rock and roll. These two experimenting concepts exemplify in the spirit of chemistry that skill displayed in different ways perhaps but by world class chemists again. There is history to be made or added, concepts to be learned, and skills to be gained. Just before we begin, just before we dive into the concepts, I want to remind everyone you are not alone. This is an academic community. Remember to get help when needed. Reach out to university services if needed. Never give up. Keep trying. We are here to help you be intelligent, ethical, and responsible scientists. But at the end of the day, you must be responsible, ethical, and hardworking. So let's talk about Le Chatelier's principle. When a system at equilibrium is disturbed by a change in the amount of a reactant or product, a change in volume or a change in temperature, the system shifts in the direction that minimizes the disturbance. For a quick overview, we'll discuss the equilibrium constant. Remember the word extent. We'll talk about dynamic equilibria. Remember a treadmill. The equilibrium constant expression. Remember the law of mass action. The equilibrium constant. States of matter and the equilibrium constant. Calculating K, the reactant quotient, K and pressure, find equilibria concentrations and the Chatelier's principle. These are just a few of the topics we will cover in some of these topics we will cover today. The rest we may cover in later episodes. So the equilibrium constant. The, equi- the relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. Let me say that again. The relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. One more time. The relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. The equilibrium constant. The equilibrium constant measures extent. How far? How far a reaction proceeds towards products? How far a reaction proceeds towards a specific point? So a large K much greater than 1 indicates a high concentration of products at equilibrium. A large K much greater than 1 indicates a high concentration of products at equilibrium. The equilibrium constant measures extent. How far? How far reaction proceeds towards products. A small K less than 1 indicates a low concentration of products at equilibrium. Dynamic equilibrium. Most chemical reactions are reversible. They can proceed either with the forward or the reverse reaction. Depending on the type of reaction you're referring to, 
um, certain steps may be more or heavily weighted. When a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, the rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction, so the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. When a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, the rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction, so the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. One more time, when a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, the rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction, so the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. So dynamic equilibrium. However, this does not imply that the concentrations of the reactants and the products are equal. So a reaction being at equilibrium does not imply that their concentrations of the respective reactants and products in that reaction are equal. Now let's talk about the equilibrium constant expression. The equilibrium constant expression is given by the law of mass action and is equal to the concentrations of the products raised to their stoichiometric coefficients divided by the concentrations of the reactants raised to their stoichiometric coefficients. So when you look at the reaction, you see that there are numbers in front of those chemical symbols. Those are typically those are typically referred to as the stoichiometric coefficients. So when you write an equilibrium constant expression, you put the concentration of the reactant in brackets and square brackets and the exponent for that square bracket term is the stoichiometric coefficient and its products over reactants. So also the equilibrium constant can be expressed in terms of concentrations or in terms of partial pressures. Remember the relationship between pressure and concentration within the context of moles. The two constants are related. Concentration must always be expressed in units of molarity for Kc. Partial pressures must always be expressed in units of atmospheres for Kp. The equilibrium states of matter and the equilibrium constant. The equilibrium constant expression contains only partial pressures or concentrations of reactants and products that exist as gases or solutes dissolved in solution. Pure liquids and solids are not included in the expression for the equilibrium constant. One more time, the equilibrium constant expression contains only partial pressures or concentrations of reactants and products that exist as gases or solutes dissolved in solution. Pure liquids and solids are not included in the expression for the equilibrium constant. So calculating K. We can calculate the equilibrium constant from equilibrium concentrations or partial pressures by substituting measured values into the expression for the equilibrium constant as obtained from the law of mass action. So what does this mean? We can calculate K given the concentrations or partial pressures when we have those measured values. As we progress in this discussion, we'll also in later episodes we'll introduce the idea of using ice tables and when you, in which you look at the initial change and in equilibrium concentrations. You look at what you start off with, the change which can be denoted by some x, some variable term, and then you net or the net expression will be the initial minus the change and you use those terms at the bottom. The e section of the table use those terms. You form an expression using the law of mass action and from that expression you equate it to the known equilibrium constant and you solve x and you're able to obtain the different concentrations of the reagents at different points in the reaction in order for you to progress and solve the problem.
So calculating K. In most cases, we can calculate the equilibrium concentrations of the reactants and products, and therefore the value of the equilibrium constant from the initial concentrations of the reactants and products and the equilibrium concentration of just one reactant or product. So one more time, in most cases, we can calculate the equilibrium concentrations of the reactants and products, and therefore the value of the equilibrium constant from the initial concentrations of the reactants and products and the equilibrium concentration of just one reactant or product. Now, depending on whether the type of substance or reaction that you're referring to, that may be easier said or easier done. So you really have to know the reaction, understand the reaction that you're referring to. For example, with strong acids and strong bases, uh, it's very easy or relatively easy when compared to weak acids and weak bases. So if, say, you have the, the equation is uh, a plus B turns to C plus D with a stoichiometric coefficient of A is little a, the stoichiometric coefficient of B is little b, the stoichiometric coefficient of C is little c, the stoichiometric coefficient of D is little d. That will be, if you're looking at the video, that will be posted eventually. It will be capital C in brackets raised to lower C, capital D in brackets raised to little d over capital A in brackets raised to little a and capital B in brackets raised to little b and this is derived from the concept or the expression in which you denote terms that state or show that the forward rate is equal to the reverse rate so the reaction quotient the reaction quotient Q is the ratio of the concentration or partial pressures of the products raised to the stoichiometric coefficients to the concentration of the reactants raised to the stoichiometric coefficients. And the key thing to remember, the difference between Q and K is Q is at any point in the reaction. K is at equilibria. <clears throat> so, it's important to know Reaction coefficient, reaction quotient is at any point in the reaction. The equilibrium constant is at K. At, yes, at K. The reaction quotient is the ratio of the concentration or partial pressures of the products raised to the stoichiometric coefficients to the concentrations of the reactants raised to the stoichiometric coefficients at any point in the reaction. The reaction quotient, like K, Q can be expressed in terms of concentrations or partial pressures. At equilibrium, Q is equal to K. Therefore, the direction in which a reaction proceeds can be determined by comparing Q to K. One more time. At equilibrium, Q is equal to K. Therefore, the, the direction in which a reaction proceeds can be determined by comparing Q to K. If Q is less than K, the reaction moves in the direction of the products. If Q is greater than K, the reaction moves in the reverse direction. If Q is less than K, the reaction moves in the direction of the product. If Q is greater than K, the reaction moves in the reverse direction. So finding equilibrium concentrations. There are two general types of problems in which K is given and one or more equilibrium concentrations can be found. For the first type, you have the equilibrium constant given and all but one equilibrium concentrations are given. We solve this type by rearranging the law of mass action and substituting the given values. 
For the second type, K and only initial concentrations are given. We solve the second type by creating an ice table and using a variable X to represent the change in concentration. And depending on our equilibrium constant, whether it is smaller than 10 to the minus 5, we can use the X's small approximation. When you do the X's small approximation, whatever you subtract X from, the ratio of those things when multiplied by 100 should be less than 5%. If that's not the case, the approximation won't be as sound. Um, there are two general types of problems, again, in which K is given and one or more equilibrium concentrations can be found. First type, K and all but one equilibrium concentrations are given. We solve this type by rearranging the law of mass action and substituting the given values. Second type, K and only initial concentrations are given. We solve the second type by creating an ice table and using a variable X to represent the change in concentration. Equilibrium is so important. When a system at equilibrium is disturbed by a change in the amount or reactant of a reactant or product, a change in volume or change in temperature, the system shifts in the direction that minimizes the disturbance. So ladies and gentlemen, it was an exciting match. At the end, the scoreless first half and three huge goals in the second, including the Chatelier's winner at the wire, the classical goals Equilibria's way on enemy ground. And all the reactions continue until we meet again for the classical Acidica and Basisio. Hope you're doing well. Hope all is well. Continue to read, continue to study, continue to prepare. This is just a preview of more to come in terms of equilibria, acids and bases, dynamic equilibria, and other concepts associated with thermodynamics. Welcome to The New Chemist. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Here on The New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as careers, community, research, and COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is Kuna Fartingo. Thanks for joining me today. It is good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Kuna Fartingo is a second-year medical student raised in Lawrenceville, Georgia. She attended Georgia Tech and majored in biochemistry and minored in biology in Spanish. There, she began to work firsthand with both the Georgia Tech and Atlanta community. And from here, her passion for community involvement and engagement was reignited. Prior to entering medical school, she took a gap year and mainly worked as an ER medical scribe and tutor. In fall 2019, she matriculated to the Medical College of Georgia at Augusta University. Some of her executive boards uh, for the Student National Medical Association. Hey Kuna, thanks for joining me today. It is good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So, um, what have been your long-standing interests in the field of science? Hmm. I guess I would probably say starting in high school, uh, I had a really, really amazing biology teacher who opened my world to like 
the variety that goes on in science in general. She had us doing um, projects. I remember bringing in my first presentation on PKU in ninth grade, not realizing now how much we have to talk about it in medical school, but it was the first time I saw such a variety to what science can be. Like you can go down the medicine path and we're doing dissecting on animals. You can go down with plants. And so it was kind of my first look into that. And then getting further and further along through high school and taking all these different science classes, I was like, oh, this is this is a cool field. And then finally into college, I was in biochem and they just shipped a lot of different science classes at you, but it really shows the variety that can go on into um, kind of how science is. Okay, so the thing that really, uh, it sounds like you have a diverse interest in the sciences. Because you know you can you could focus on several different things and do you, would you say that medicine is providing you that opportunity to uh, engage in a diverse array of studies yes and no in a lot of ways like i will never probably again be doing analytical chemistry and seeing um lasers and working with tcms's to like the degree i was before mm -hmm. however it's important to actually know how a lot of that stuff works because whether or not it's a clinical trial or understanding how a drug was made or just um, in general having a good sense of this these things do manifest itself in medicine mm -hmm. so maybe not the direct aspects of what i used to do before but i'm still utilizing it now and it's it's helpful to have that background oh, yeah. and so that's one nice thing and then even like i still have the opportunity to do research so i can still if i want to get that wet lab experience in medical school no one said i can only work with patients and never see the medical side uh, never see the science side of things i do get that opportunity as well to do that if i want to Okay, that's good. So just for the lay people in the audience, what would you, how would you, if you had to give a short description, what is PKU? Before we continue, what would you say is PKU? <laughs> I asked me medical school stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Captainuria, it's like an issue, basically, um, how you process certain amino acids with tyrosine and phenylalanine. Mm -hmm. And so basically the patient, this is something that you can determine early in life. It's a... Uh, autosomal recessive um, disease and so when you do any of the genetic testing at the beginning of when a baby is born they usually get like a what's that thing called we don't I don't remember it was like a baby like when they take some blood from your foot and things like that thank you that's the word ignore yeah. I'll get better with my science terms in a little bit it's okay it's okay it's but, early it's um, early <laughs> Um, you can see from there and then they end up having to just have a, they can have a very normal uh, quality of life. It's just, you're going to have to modify their um, diet with the certain types of food, especially meats, because a lot of meats have certain um, amino acids in it and you just don't want that to be a situation. So you'll just have to modify their diet to mm -hmm. uh, work with that. But when I was in high school, it was just like, it was this and this and this. And then by the time I come to medical school, this is the um, biochemical understanding of what's going on. This is how it's metabolized. But now from a medical standpoint, this is how you treat certain things. Instead of just knowing the signs behind it, it's mm -hmm. knowing, okay, this is the patient who has this how would you take how you have a care plan for that patient so they can have the best quality of life so i feel like that's the transition that's kind of gone from what i knew in high school to what i'm supposed to really know now so yeah i get time to remember things so it sounds like it's final teeth in the area correct yes okay so um 
the thing I would say is I've had similar experiences in that in graduate school you come to graduate school like yeah. I thought I had this understanding of organic chemistry and like chemistry fundamentals in the back of my mind and yeah. then when I come to graduate school it's like you know the fundamentals are much bigger than what you expected yeah yeah so they're much broader you need to broaden your base because you have a lot of stuff that you have to build off of Yeah. Oh, all the time and it's just like they keep adding and adding I'm like please, add please. <laughs> yeah I know what you mean so how do you maintain view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general amidst obstacles and challenges like in this pandemic how are you keeping how are you seeing the forest for the trees so I mean I won't lie to you when this pandemic initially started I didn't really feel like the brunt of like I can't leave my house I can't see people because we were still in the middle of medical school so like everyone else is like I don't know what to do on the weekends I don't know how I'm not going to see my family I literally was like I have all these things going on the school was doing a huge you know transitioning us to online figuring out how to do anatomy online so it was like a lot of my time was spent troubleshooting how to go on to online you know, and checking in on my family. Everyone, thank goodness, was really safe. Both my parents work in some aspect of the healthcare field. They are seeing patients. And so um, it was like, are y'all good? Are you staying good? My dad was like, we wear masks in this house. We we wash our hands. And so I, they were good. And so I just really was focused on school. And so it didn't really hit me at the beginning how, um, I mean, how isolating this, um virus has been for people until I finally had my summer break and then I was like I'm free from my first year of medical school and I can't go anywhere I literally cannot go anywhere and so you know our school was able to create a really great um pandemic medicine elective that we did online and so I got to see my classmates and hear them talk but it's just never the same as when you're in person um so it was difficult once I finally was out of this bubble of medical 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 work and like had to kind of focus on that and it creates And I'm very lucky I'd say because I have roommates. I know I have situations where people don't have roommates so they're literally in a house by themselves 24/7. And um it can make that hard, but I think the hardest thing for me was the fact that the days just kept bleeding. Um you never I sometimes I could get up in the morning I'm like I this this, this is I don't know this, this is Tuesday this is Thursday and so you can lose a sense of time and then a losing a sense of a schedule. I was so used to going to school from 8 a.m. to this, I'm doing this, this to this to this. And we're so built. Humans do like that um, yeah, like sense of a schedule, having a sense of, you know, you having the next thing to do. And so it was like, I don't know what to do on this random Tuesday after my pandemic elective course ends because it's 11, 10 o'clock and I have a whole day and we were figuring out research and things. So it was losing a sense of a schedule first and trying to find one and build back one up. Like the gyms were closed, like figuring out I still need to exercise every day because I'm really now sitting at home. I'm not moving anywhere. And so it's it was a lot more instead of I'd say academic figuring it out a lot of it was during my summertime it was my own personal health obstacles to making sure I can still maintain a sense of great mental health because I'm constantly in the house all day physical health because you're constantly in the house all day social health making um, use of zoom or house party became a really awesome app to use in the summertime so I could talk to my friends who usually in the summertime I would go and see like I had trips planned to go and see them so it was really I would say that was more of my obstacles and then coming back into the fall when we started classes again 
it was a little different because our school had found a way, um, not found a way, but they, we have certain things that had to be in person. So that kind of gave me my time to see some of my classmates and have a sense of the schedule again. Really to see my classmates again. It's yeah, like, I know. I mean, it's just like, so it, it, it's a good experience when you can just be with people, you know? Yes. Yeah. It, that, it's such we we're social creatures and so i'm i'm a really social person i, yeah, I really I know people yeah. and so i'm sitting here i'm like what am i thinking about i'm just sitting here thinking of my thoughts so being able to finally come back to class and then still see people and then have the schedule again really kind of helped to take that blurb of the two three months of the summertime where i'm honestly i can't even tell you about it because i don't even know what happened yeah i know what you mean i know yeah. what you mean because people when you, when you get to interact with people especially people who you enjoy hanging out with yes i, I think it invigorates you it revitalizes you and then it also adds some weight to what you like you may be going through a rough time or you may be going through a good time but it helps yeah. to like sober you up help you realize either your situation yes. is not as bad as it seems yeah. or like you're not as good as you think you are so <laughs> that yeah they, they, mm-hmm. help, they help sober you up definitely yes. Um, so, how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of science? You, what, what has been your, your creative niche? What, what did you say? Is it a learning style? Your way you approach content? Um, hmm. So, I'm one of those trial and error type of people. That's okay. how I feel like I've lived my life since college because my tried and true ways of high school did not work at college. And it's always a... I kind of learned what I do and I was never a big group studier at tech. I don't really feel like I know a lot of other majors, especially engineering. You you group studied, you did group projects. I think we had a couple group projects in biochem. So I was never like gung-ho group study. I had a good friend. We would study through a really difficult class and it, it was it was worth it. But coming to medical school, having to lose this um not I shouldn't even use the word lose because that's not what you're doing you're gaining a new experience I would say it's like I'm losing control on how I'm teaching myself by um, having someone else teach me that's not what's going on you're working together two minds with who have different you know points of views or perceptions to how the information is being presented and sharing and working together is how I consider group studying I had to get over the idea of like oh like it, it can only just be me but um, integrating group studying into how I learn the material because the way people think about things, the way they say things, the way they come up with phrases to remember things have really helped me in terms of how I take in information and how I can present that information and learn it and retain it. That's, I think, the hardest thing with medical school is they'll give you so much information and you'll, you know, you may get it by the quiz time, but, you know, six months later, if they ask you that same question, like, I don't know. But I still have, like, phrases and things that I remember from my friends speaking to me about and that's helped me to really conquer taking in lots of lots of information in terms of like I guess that's my way of saying I've adapted um you know I haven't I don't know if I've really put my direct foot into the creations of science just yet we'll hopefully you know do something along the way but I feel like in terms of how I've learned how to study and how I've learned to really embrace working in groups and taking information and um getting it together in like a group setting has been something that's worked a lot for me right um so yeah that's good so are you involved in research uh yes yes i am so this is research round two i was trying to do a little bit different this time i had my first experience in college and it was different, but now I'm doing um, research. It's basic science research, um, looking at corneal wound healing. 
Um, it was very different from what I initially was thinking, but I wanted to try something out of my field of interest. I came in very much interested in women's health and still am very interested. So I knew no matter what I could always do that, but I wanted to delve into something else because medical school has just so many different specialties, just as different um, things to do that. It, I feel like I was um, doing myself a disservice without trying something different. So I do it um, with corneal wound healing and looking at how the innate um, immune system responds to corneal wound healing and um, how it better, uh, better make, let me find the better words. It um, improves or worsens corneal wound healing um, whenever some type of trauma occurs. Okay, wow, that sounds deep. So that's like ophthalmology, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah so um how do you maintain a balanced life given all your responsibilities and accomplishments <laughs> how have you been trying to maintain a balanced life well fun fact you asking me this now a lot of my responsibilities have actually been removed off my plate so the way our kind of our medical school works is usually during your the second half of your first year into the first half of your second year. That's usually when you do a lot of your leadership roles, whether it's like, for instance, I was a clinic coordinator or doing like um, SNMA, and then they transition it to the next group because by that point in your second year, this part in your second year, you typically start studying for the step exam. So you don't have that same amount of time. And then from there, you're going into your third year and on. So right now I have a lot more time, but before I really tried to utilize my Fridays, like they were my last Friday in my life. I, whether it was hanging out with friends or just taking a moment to breathe. And I just tried to find ways to um, have fun in between the weeks, usually Monday through Thursday. It was business only, like mm -hmm. unless it was something impromptu or just a really cool meeting going on that I wanted to see. I would typically just try and spend a lot of time um, to focus on studying and then Fridays and occasionally on the weekends doing other fun things, usually with a lot of eating. Augusta, um, I thought it was a lot of chain restaurants, but I'm learning more and more. They have a lot of, they're bringing a lot of new stuff in. And so um, like we got did roller skate nights, we would go bowling. So I would just try and make sure like if I did my work like nine to five, Monday through Thursday to make it to that Friday quiz or whatever I was doing. I give myself that time to take a break or I go on walks after my quiz with my friends. We would just talk, talk about how the quiz went, how the week's going, our goals are like, what's the next step that we're doing just to like remind us of outside of medicine, what, you know, who, who we yeah. are as a person. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because yeah. you know, you, sometimes I think it's good to, it's good to identify with your achievements, but I don't think you should find the identity like oh if yeah if no. you don't achieve and then you have like you could have a crisis or something like that mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's something i try to keep in mind you know you're more than just what you will get on a paper or get you're more than just your grades you know yeah oh yeah that's something i had to learn very early on because oh i made some interesting grades in oh yeah definitely <laughs> George Decker, definitely. i promise i'm not gonna kill anybody i really will it's just like some the transition is so different like I don't want you to assume like how I started the beginning of medical school to who I am now or how I view studying. It's just, it's a transition and I'm going to do everything I can to be the best position that I can be. So don't, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, come on, Skuna. I'm sure you're, you're going to be a <laughs> Just being modest. Just being modest. We know you take care of your patients well. Oh, so, yes, 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, how, what would you say has contributed to your success to this point? 
I went to Georgia Tech, which is a very good school. And mm-hmm. you are you are now at Augusta University for medical school. Mm-hmm. So what would you say has contributed to your success? You always obviously progress from point A to point B to point C. Hmm. I think a lot of it. I really 100% believe I've had like the best support system. I think anywhere. Um, I'm very, 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 very blessed with um, the parents that I have. I don't always give them enough credit, but if they ever decide to listen to this podcast, it really is to them. Like I, I would not be where I am without them in a lot of ways. Like I 100% believe that like my mom, especially has always, she's always been the person that says the sky is not the limit. It's only you. She's been, she said that from as long as I can remember, like only I set myself back. And so I've always had that and then the friends I made in college like they always were like my Dr. Kuna like you're gonna be the one to take care of my babies like to have those constant positive thoughts even when for myself I question my own abilities a lot imposter syndrome is crazy it will really set you back constantly have those other those other positive voices around you constantly reminding you like no you can do this you are you this is what you meant to do like don't question those things it can it can eventually drown out your own imposter syndrome and kind of help push you forward and then continue to have that support group in medical school there are moments i need to vent and i will vent and we will get back to work that's just you know we'll give our 10 15 minute maybe 20 minute vent we're like this is hard (laughs) this sucks but we need to get to work. There's, yeah. there's, it, there's a bigger picture. Like we, there's, I think in our class, there's about 30 or so black physicians in a class of 190. Oh, yeah. So like, we, this is, this is, this is what we have to keep pushing forward. We all need to make it to the next step. Yeah. So it's like we need to support each other. We can't. No, no one is being left behind. We have mm-hmm. to all go. There's not, there's not a lot of us. Yeah, we got crossover to together. Through. We got crossover so, together. it's very much I feel like how um has really that has been its support it's you know you can constantly read 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 do all these things but if you constantly are questioning yourself it's going to push you back so you really need to have those people there when you feel like falling back will help push you forward I 100% believe it's it's the support group I have yeah and it, it started from home so yeah I completely agree same thing with me um in the um my support system like my parents my brother like and two things, I one thing about me and my family, they're very to the point and very upfront. They'll let mm-hmm. you, they'll call you out if you're doing something that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, and even even my sister sometimes, my younger sister will call me out if she thinks I'm doing something that doesn't make oh, sense. Oh, that's my that's my second my middle sister too. She sort of she'll let yeah. you know and she'll say it straight and look at you and wait for a response and I'm just like <laughs> you're right. You're one hundred percent correct. Yeah. But, no, yeah, I just, I couldn't be without them. Um, like I said, my college friends, I, we were called the crew. Like, I was the only science major. Um, they were all engineers. I had one friend who was doing accounting. So, like, it was just, it, it was, I wasn't always surrounded by a bubble of pre-meds who were always like, I have this, this, this on my MCAT and this, where you'd be like, oh my God, I literally had loving, supporting friends who were like, you're going to be the, our doctor, you're going to be this person for us. And like, to be surrounded by that type of love and encouragement all the time, uh, I couldn't, I, I, I don't, medical school, I don't, I couldn't, I still call them, they'll call me all the time, they're like, how's my doctor doing, how's this, this and that, like, I still talk to them all the time. And they're just great and they know when I have a quiz week they're like we're not gonna bother you we know you're trying to save lives and that's you know you can't you can't find friends like that yeah I know too man. I know exactly when you find when you find friends that you hold on to them oh yeah 
So how have you maintained vision and teamwork in your environment? I truly believe it's through the extracurriculars that before COVID I had the opportunity to do. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so, you know, med school is a lot of, well, the first way the curriculums are all changing, well, let's say the first like 18 to 24 months, schools are changing left and right with how they're making preclinical years. But your preclinical years is a lot of reading. So doing things like being a women's clinic coordinator and working with actual real life patients who have real world problems and trying to help and and to the best of my M1 slash M2 capacity has been ways that can kind of remind me because you can really get bogged down by how much volumes of work or what you feel like you have to be doing next but when you're truly working with someone who needs your help in this moment and you can put your focus to that and then either a you can fix the problem send them somewhere else to have like refer them somewhere else where they can have some of these problems fixed or just improve their life in any way it really reminds you of why you're here because it just it can get so easy to forget and getting to sit down and hear what's going on and not have the pressure of being a whole like attending where you have to see this certain amount of people in a certain hour you're just a medical student so you get to take that time to ask all the questions you can ask them you know what in your childhood has been you know do you feel like it's causing the problems you're having now like if you whether it's maybe it's diet or mental health you can dig to those points and really get to know what's going on with somebody and when you can help them in any shape or capacity it really can remind you of like wow this is why i just i just helped somebody and so i think that helps to kind of push your vision forward even in the same aspects of like through snma we do a lot of community work with the augusta community and so whether it's having health clinics or um tutoring sessions or just monthly um enrichment sessions like augusta has a lot of um of its own problems in terms of um, how people are, um, what's the best way to say this, but there's a lot of health issues that affect the Augusta community. There's a very large African-American population and hypertension, diabetes, um, teen pregnancy rate, all those factors that we think might only be a big city issue, it's down here too. And so we can't obviously fix all these systemic problems at once, but taking little bits by bits, whether it's going to school and educating kids on different aspects of life, different career options that can, you know, push them to want to do the next step in their school. Like those are all those little things can help move forward the health of a community, the health of a society. So I think just involving myself in extracurriculars to the community that's focused for the community has been really helpful for me. That's good. So um, why did you choose biochemistry as a field to major in in your undergrad years? And why did you choose medicine as the field to do your doctoral studies in? Biochem, I chose that because it's first of all, it sounded kind of cool. You never really know what you want to go into in college. You kind of feel like this seems kind of like what I want to do. Yeah, you kind of just, just test the waters. Yeah, and it was like, it's bio and chem. Obviously, that's not what the case is, as we learned, but it... I knew it was going to be a field that would open up opportunities to go in probably to any of the things I was interested in, whether it was going to be pharmacy, whether research, medicine, nursing, any of that. And um, it gave me a better appreciation for the human body, honestly, um, taking biochemistry classes and understanding because you that is literally the fundamental. So much of my first couple months of medical school was biochem. Like it, it didn't. It's that's the major. If you need to figure out what you need to do, that's the major to 
to take with you to medical school, I was 100% say. And then um, in terms of medicine, again, biochem did open all these opportunities to go and to look into all these different fields. But I think at the end of the day, what mattered the most to me was directly talking um, working with people, you know, research has its limitations. I mean, they're trying to do a lot more translational research, but I truly like to physically see and work, um, see the effects of what I'm doing. Not saying you don't do that in research, you obviously still do, but like physically talking to patients, prescribing the medications that amazing scientists have helped create, me being able to give it to them, prescribe it to them so they can um, improve the quality of life. I feel like that fit more of where I needed to be. And so I felt like medicine was more of where I wanted to go down and just knowing that I could have an impact on communities that need it most right now. And I felt like medicine would give me the best of both worlds where I can still appreciate and utilize science, but be able to work with patients and honestly help fix humanity in some aspect. I mean, obviously not that, it's a very large bubble, but just in my own little way, help where I can. Yeah, that's good. The conservation aspect of medicine is definitely something that I think appeals to a lot of people. And yeah, it's important to be able to lend a hand. So as we conclude, do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you are currently studying in? Um, I 100% say if you can, I know everyone's situation is very different. I know I said it best, like I had a really great support system. I know I'm not in a situation where everyone has that, but I would say it's reaching out and finding a mentor. Um, and that mentor does not have to be in medicine. Um, I know people say this all the time, you need to find a mentor. It does not need to be in medicine. You need to, I feel like one of my mentors was um, my chemistry advisor. Like she, when I tell you that woman looks out for me, in a way that I, I can't even repay her sometimes. Like she, whenever I came in with the most random of questions, she will answer them. She will point me in the right direction. And she was an advocate for me and my goals and my dreams. And even if it wasn't to become, going to get a PhD program, she was still gonna do whatever it took to make sure I could reach what I wanted to because she could see the dedication I had. And so your mentor doesn't have to be in the field that you're interested in, it should be someone who wants to help guide you. They may not be an expert in the field you wanna go into, but there's people who are experts in that field and may not be any more help to you than that. So someone who's willing to take that time to help or use their time to figure out how to help or send you to the right people. I mean, that you can't, it doesn't get any better than that. Um, mm -hmm. In any kind of space or capacity, you can, you can find that. And just to constantly, I mean, try and surround yourself by people who wanna put you up because I, I didn't. I was not in that pre-med bubble, but from what I've heard, it's it's stressful because people are constantly comparing themselves or throwing this out, and you you can constantly feel bad. I I wasn't in that type of bubble. I was in a bubble of just loving, great people who all they could say was, "I might not be in this field, but I know you can do it, and I I trust you can do it." And so it's. I just feel like the the type of messages that you surround yourself by can really make an impact into the things that you choose to do. Mm -hmm. And so try and surround yourself by positive people. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you can take all the tests in the world but if you don't feel like you're good enough or you don't feel like you can get it done like sometimes having someone else remind you of how far you've come or I know you know I hear what you're saying and I know you can do this I think it it really speaks volumes to getting things done yeah yeah definitely you know people who could add context to the challenges that you're having or you know, put perspective on the situation. So what has been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? Oh, 
So this was, I think, the best advice. I think, I re- at least from when I was going through my interview season, whenever I had gotten an interview, I I had to change my initial thought, like, oh, that was a fluke. I had to change that because I remember reading something where someone said, if someone is giving you an interview somewhere, it means you have met their cutoff. You you are good enough today if they want to accept you to go to that school. What you need to do is to go in there and remind them and secure a seat to go into that school because you obviously meet the academic, the all the qualifications that they require of you. So don't walk in there thinking this was an accident. Walk in there saying, hi, I'm reintroducing myself to why you believe that you think I'm good enough to come here because you've offered me an interview so you think I am. Um, I think a lot of that really helped, especially because you go on these interviews again. I was never in a pre-med bubble, so now I'm meeting all the pre-meds who are now on their way to medical school and it's still the same. I did this and this, 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 and you're just sitting here like, I literally just breathe, I just breathed it today and I just continued on my way. Like I didn't, (laughs) I just, no, I mean, it really could. Like I remember I was one point, this, it was, and I'm happy for all these people, but sometimes, you know, you, you get this nervousness where you feel you have to say everything to make yourself feel really, really good. And this, which is fine, but everyone is nervous. And so you might sit there and be like, wow, that girl went and did this huge fellowship or whatnot. I literally just got off my scribing job and I'm tired. Like it, it can get really tiring. So I always had to come in. Sometimes I would come in like right before the interview would start just because I needed to have a clear space. Like you deserve a spot here. They obviously think you do because they offered you an interview. You just need to go in here kill it explain to them why you think you would be a great why you feel like you would fit best here like you're you can fit and you can fit in places but you want to fit in the best place so they feel like you can academically fit in here but you need to make sure you can your whole person would fit best here so walk in there and figure that out for yourself this is a this is a two-way interview it's not just them interviewing you you need to figure out for yourself this is where you want to go Mm-hmm. So don't get inundated by all the noise around you sometimes. Just walk in and remind yourself, I am good enough to come here. They offer me this interview. Let me figure out if this is where I want to go. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, man, you can't mind the noise. Like good expression in Ramas, don't mind the noise in the market. Check the price of the fish. Yeah. Yeah. So you you yeah, if you know what you, if you put your mind to do something, you know you got you have to be determined. You know, you have to be surrounded by good there are people who can help you as you progress through your goals. So and, I can, mm-hmm. but I will say real quick with that, it's I've been lucky with that. I know everyone like I've met classmates who have had the roughest of times, background wise, and they've made it here. And I think those are some of the strongest stories. Like I've had, I have had great support since I've seen people come with much less who make it here. And I just to them that's that's a huge accomplishment because yeah, not speaks. everyone does get to have that. Yeah, that speaks definitely speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Kuna man, thanks for joining me today. <laughs> It was good to have you on. Welcome to Electric Yacht, where we discuss general chemistry topics. This is a podcast lecture series on general chemistry. Today, we will be talking about chemical equilibria. My name is Mr. Ferguson. I am a junk faculty, and I'm also a part, an associate member of the Royal Society of Biology and an associate member of the Royal Society of Chemistry. Hello and good evening everyone. What a moment where everyone is on their feet holding a flag and supporting their concept. Team Equilibria on one side of the field and Connects on the other side of the field. 
Now let's get ready to rock and roll. These two experimenting concepts exemplifying the spirit of chemistry that skill displayed in different ways perhaps but by world-class chemists again. There is history to be made or added, concepts to be learned and skills to be gained. Just before we begin, just before we dive into the concepts, I want to remind everyone you are not alone. This is an academic community. Remember to get help when needed. Reach out to university services if needed. Never give up. Keep trying. We are here to help you be intelligent, ethical and responsible scientists. But at the end of the day, you must be responsible, ethical and hardworking. So let's talk about Le Chatelier's principle. When a system at equilibrium is disturbed by a change in the amount of a reactant or product, a change in volume or a change in temperature, the system shifts in the direction that minimizes the disturbance. So a quick overview, we'll discuss the equilibrium constant. Remember the word extent. We'll talk about dynamic equilibria. Remember a treadmill. The equilibrium constant expression. Remember the law of mass action. The equilibrium constant. States of matter and the equilibrium constant. Calculating K. The reactant quotient. K and pressure. Find the equilibrium concentrations and the Chatelier's principle. These are just a few of the topics we will cover. In some of these topics we will cover today. The rest we may cover in later episodes. So the equilibrium constant. The, equi- the relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. Let me say that again. The relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. One more time. The relative concentrations of the reactants and the products at equilibrium are expressed by the equilibrium constant K. The equilibrium constant. The equilibrium constant measures extent. How far? How far a reaction proceeds towards products? How far a reaction proceeds towards a specific point? So a large K much greater than one indicates a high concentration of products at equilibrium. A large K much greater than one indicates a high concentration of products at equilibrium. The equilibrium constant measures extent. How far? How far a reaction proceeds towards products? A small k less than 1 indicates a low concentration of products at equilibrium. Dynamic equilibrium. Most chemical reactions are reversible. They can proceed either with the forward or the reverse reaction. Depending on the type of reaction you're referring to, um, certain steps may be more heavily weighted. When a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, the rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction, so the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. When a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, the rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction, so the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. One more time, when a chemical reaction is in dynamic equilibrium, The rate of the forward reaction equals the rate of the reverse reaction. So the net concentrations of the reactants and products do not change. So dynamic equilibrium. However, this does not imply that the concentrations of the reactants and the products are equal. The reaction being at equilibrium does not imply that their concentrations of the respective reactants and products in that reaction are equal. Now let's talk about the equilibrium constant expression. The equilibrium constant expression is given by the law of mass action 
and is equal to the concentrations of the products raised to their stoichiometric coefficients divided by the concentrations of the reactants raised to their stoichiometric coefficients. So when you look at the reaction, you see that there are numbers in front of those chemical symbols. Those are typically those are typically referred to as the stoichiometric coefficients. So when you write an equilibrium constant expression, you put the concentration of the reactant in brackets and square brackets, and the exponent for that square bracket term is the stoichiometric coefficient and its products or reactants. So also, the equilibrium constant can be expressed in terms of concentrations or in terms of partial pressures. Remember the relationship between pressure and concentration within the context of moles? The two constants are related. Concentration must always be expressed in units of molarity for Kc. Partial pressures must always be expressed in units of atmospheres for Kp. The equilibrium states of matter and the equilibrium constant. The equilibrium constant expression contains only partial pressures or concentrations of reactants and products that exist as gases or solutes dissolved in solution. Pure liquids and solids are not included in the expression for the equilibrium constant. One more time, the equilibrium constant expression contains only partial pressures or concentrations of reactants and products that exist as gases or solutes dissolved in solution. Pure liquids and solids are not included in the expression for the equilibrium constant. So calculating K. We can calculate the equilibrium constant from equilibrium concentrations or partial pressures by substituting measured values into the expression for the equilibrium constant as obtained from the law of mass action. So what does this mean? We can calculate K given the concentrations or partial pressures when we have those measured values. As we progress in this discussion, we'll also in later episodes we'll introduce the idea of using ice tables in, you, in which you look at the initial change and in equilibrium concentrations. You look at what you start off with, the change which can be denoted by some x, some variable term, and then you net or the net expression will be the initial minus the change and you use those terms at the bottom. The e section of the table use those terms. You form an expression using the law of mass action and from that expression you equate it to the known equilibrium constant and you solve facts and you're able to obtain the different concentrations of the reagents at different points in the reaction in order for you to progress and solve the problem. So calculating K. In most cases we can calculate the equilibrium concentrations of the reactants and products and therefore the value of the equilibrium constant from the initial concentrations of the reactants and products and the equilibrium concentration of just one reactant or product. So one more time, in most cases we can calculate the equilibrium concentrations of the reactants and products and therefore the value of the equilibrium constant from the initial concentrations of the reactants and products and the equilibrium concentration of just one reactant or product. Now depending on whether the type of substance or reaction that you're referring to, that may be easier said or easier done. So you really have to know the reaction, understand the reaction that you're referring to. For example, with strong acids and strong bases, uh, it's very easy or relatively easy when compared to weak acids and weak bases. So if say you have the your equation is uh, a plus B turns to C plus D with a stoichiometric coefficient of A is little a, the stoichiometric coefficient of B 
is a little b, the stoichiometric coefficient of c is a little c, the stoichiometric coefficient of d is little d. That will be, if you're looking at the video, that will be posted eventually. It will be capital C in brackets raised to lower c, capital D in brackets raised to little d over capital A in brackets raised to little a, and capital B in brackets raised to little b. And this is derived from the concept or the expression in which you denote terms that state or show that the forward rate is equal to the reverse rate. So the reaction co quotient. The reaction quotient Q is the ratio of the concentration or partial pressures of the products raised to their stoichiometric coefficients to the concentration of the reactants raised to their stoichiometric coefficients. And the key thing to remember, the difference between Q and K is Q is at any point in the reaction. K is at equilibria. <clears throat> so, it's important to know the reaction coefficient, the reaction quotient is at any point in the reaction. The equilibrium constant is at K. At, yes, at K. The reaction quotient is the ratio of the concentration or partial pressures of the products raised to the stoichiometric coefficients to the concentrations of the reactants raised to the stoichiometric coefficients at any point in the reaction. The reaction quotient, like K, Q can be expressed in terms of concentrations or partial pressures. At equilibrium, Q is equal to K. Therefore, the direction in which a reaction proceeds can be determined by comparing Q to K. One more time. At equilibrium, Q is equal to K. Therefore, the, the direction in which a reaction proceeds can be determined by comparing Q to K. If Q is less than K, the reaction moves in the direction of the products. If Q is greater than K, the reaction moves in the reverse direction. If Q is less than K, the reaction moves in the direction of the products. If Q is greater than K, the reaction moves in the reverse direction. So finding equilibrium concentrations. There are two general types of problems in which K is given and one or more equilibrium concentrations can be found. For the first type, you have the equilibrium constant given and all but one equilibrium concentrations are given. We solve this type by rearranging the law of mass action and substituting the given values. For the second type, K and only initial concentrations are given. We saw the second type by creating an ice table and using a variable X to represent the change in concentration. And depending on our equilibrium constant, whether it is smaller than 10 to the minus 5, we can use the X's small approximation. When you do the X's small approximation, whatever you subtract X from, the ratio of those things when multiplied by 100 should be less than 5%. If that's not the case, the approximation won't be as sound. Um, there are two general types of problems, again, in which K is given and one or more equilibrium concentrations can be found. First type, K in all but one equilibrium concentrations are given. We solve this type by rearranging the law of mass action and substituting the given values. Second type, K and only initial concentrations are given. We solve the second type by creating an ice table and using a variable X to represent the change in concentration. Equilibrium is so important. When a system at equilibria is disturbed by a change in the amount or reactant of a reactant or product, a change in volume or change in temperature, the system shifts in the direction that minimizes the disturbance. 
So ladies and gentlemen, it was an exciting match at the end of Scarlet's first half and three huge goals in the second, including the Chatelier's winner at the wire, the classical goals Equilibria's way on enemy ground. And all the reactions continue until we meet again for the classical Asitica and Basisio. Hope you're doing well. Hope all is well. Continue to read, continue to study, continue to prepare. This is just a preview of more to come in terms of equilibria, assets and bases, dynamic equilibria, and other concepts associated with thermodynamics. Citrulline, your boy, then miss me. Aspirating a toxic carbon, you see. Hope I got the arginine tea. To make arginine tea, you see. You recycle. You recycle. I hope back sometimes I won't. The feedback regulation fine. I finesse it back in my go through with ATP. I go hard like gamma P. I make sure I balance free energy and still good things. There are a lot of good things to rap and rap and rap and see and rap and see. Good things. There's a lot of good things to rap and rap and rap and see and rap and see. Hey. A to A, we move and I change, only partly, I release a few more rate, I'm sorry, Arginine, yeah, put it on me, yeah you know, lots of juice and the spinal party, I just know me, turn the issue on to the urea, with our excuses that we know me. Imagine honesty goes back to sea. You recycle. You recycle. I can't release it on my own. And I'm functioning closely. I've been rapping by mode. My go through with ATP. I go hard like Gamma P. I make sure I release free. 
energy and still good things. There are a lot of good things wrapping and wrapping and wrapping the sea and wrapping the sea. Good things. There are a lot of good things wrapping and wrapping and wrapping the sea and wrapping the sea. Yeah. Cycle Friday in oxidation you see. Pull out all the cool ways for me. You know there's alpha, beta, omega, you see. I go from acid to the transmoid. Through your oxidation step, you see. Hope I got the ACD and FAD. They will tell the story that was different from me. Beta oxidation. Beta oxidation. I hope back sometimes I don't. Fatty acid storage front. I finesse the bargain mode. I go down with FAD. I go hard like NAD. H. I make sure I balance free energy and still good things. There are a lot of good things that wrapping and wrapping and wrapping the sea and wrapping the sea. Good things. There are a lot of good things that are wrapping and wrapping and wrapping the sea. Wrapping and wrapping and wrapping the sea. Hey, hey. Albeta hydroxyacylacyl is the only party. It goes to the beta keto acyl. I'm sorry. Oxidation step. Only all the jewels are crashing this bargain party. Yeah, you know me. Turn the energy plus into the energy. Yeah, without these cycles, there be no me. Imagine trying back to a fatty acer. Short, 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 short. Sorry, 
forcefully, forcefully, forcefully. The first phosphor is calm with HKIC. G6P is formed using ATP. You pull up the PGI the isomers me. You know how I like it with the F6P. I want to phosphorylate on this screen. With the FPP, I'm moving the screen. Other lists release the app and the PP. But with Tim and the G3P, I call it 6. I call it 6. I hope back some time that I don't. Moving on with NAD plus, I go hard with the one three. It's a one three BP. Instead, phosphorylate. There's a lot of things that I'm phosphorin, 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 and phosphorin. There's a lot of things that force for and force for and force for and see and force for and see. Three PG is formed, not partly. Only three PG uses PG. I'm sorry. Moving on again. Yes. From P to RUC. I'm done with this pathway, you see. And still, phosphorylate. There's a lot of things that I'm phosphorylating and phosphorylating, you see. Phosphorylate. There's a lot of things that I'm phosphorylating and phosphorylating the same. Feel for three minus structure complete. Every minor path the most common in the suit. The other rock is done. Finally. 
thanks for listening. We're glad you were able to tune into this podcast. Once again, this is the new chemist where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guests and I.